0: One, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on episode 46, a number that I'm not even going to try to make anything about. We've got a packed episode today. Uh, We've got topics in the beginning, which, you know, got a few things to talk about. Interesting things happened uh, this week and last weekend. Um, But our segment three, for the first time in a while, we're bringing back a book review and not a book about spicy dinosaurs. We're talking about a book... (laughs) That is actually good. And, uh, well, actually, you know what? Some of those were actually. <laughs> well,
1: was there any tacos in it? There wasn't any
0: tacos. No. Mm, implied. But. Implied but again, tacos. And it, the best it's kind of tacos. Very, very minute. But it's. <laughs> yeah. What you'd expect in a, in a long running novel. Anyway, um, yeah. so that's going to be going on. And uh, following up from last week in the media segment, I finished watching uh, The Rest of Lucifer. So. And turns out.
1: It was pretty damn good. And that's why he is now dressed as loose for today.
0: Yeah, I am, uh, for the people the sh- who can't see me, which is everyone except Blue, uh, I yep. am currently wearing a red button down shirt and red gym shorts.
1: Yep, and the, the suave haircut. Anyway. All right, let's uh, let's let's get into topic it. topic to start on today?
0: We have three for segment one let's let's first of all, because we talked a little bit about YouTube stages last week, um, okay. the fact that that was going to be a thing right. so let's let's start with that uh, so we, we, we tested it out last weekend. Um, we tried doing our own, and it turns out that there's quite a few more than are being shown because um, we did it for close to two hours, I recorded it so that that content may go up at some point but hmm. um we, I think the most we ever had was like one person or two people listening. Um, so we ended up deciding to try and join another one. Uh, one that Blue had identified called... Uh, do you remember it? What's the it? House of Wisdom. The House of Wisdom.
1: Okay. Yeah, which is definitely... You should take that name with a pinch of salt because... Uh, eesh! So we ended up going into a debate
0: channel in there and it was a discussion yeah. on religion
1: also we should say we did not go into the uh, the main uh, broadcast channel because frankly there was about like a hundred people on a waiting list to get in there yes yeah, we so like, was... Fuck that let's go on a debate channel
0: yeah we wanted to participate so we went yeah. down to a debate channel and ended up talking to two um european folks one guy i remember was from serbia i don't remember where the other guy was from but, uh, yeah, so it was they were having a debate about religion and or a, a discussion about it, and so we went in there, you know, blue atheist, me Catholic, um well, agnostic, but yeah <laughs> agnostic. yeah, sorry, excuse me. other a word. It may have come
1: across as atheist being as I knew, knew very little about <laughs> just the subject matter
0: i it's it's one of those things, and it's actually worth pointing out here. Uh, that is often confused, especially by very religious people, they tend to think of atheist and agnostic as the same thing, but they really aren't. Like, um, I don't know if you want to go into to what your thoughts on them, but my my thought of them is like, atheist is a strong, like, anti-religious belief. Like, there is no higher power. There is no god. This is all bullshit. Agnostic is more like, you know, I have no evidence for or against, so I choose to just live my life the way I live my life kind of thing. Exactly.
1: I choose to live my life in a good manner and so that I feel like if there was a higher power and I lived a really good life, then it would be cool. But, I mean, obviously, based on the conversation I had with uh, those peeps in that channel, I'd be going to hell anyway. <laughs> but um... So, and that's, that's kind of what I
0: wasn't prepared for going into that. I- I was like, I like debating. I like talking. I- I like talking to just yeah. random people on the street. Blue's seen me do this in the UK, and it freaks people out. Um, but I've, like, I- we went into that channel, and I was prepared for, like, a philosophical debate. Like, uh, you know, uh, like, let's- let's talk about, like, the ideas behind it, and maybe we- we go back to some, like, religious texts and things like that to kind of provide context. No. No. One guy was in there, and he, every other second, was interrupting people with Bible quotes. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the Serbian guy. No. No, the Serbian guy was the one I wanted to talk to. Yeah, yeah, it was the other guy. But it was just... Um,
1: Which... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, the person who was interrupting was very clearly, as I interrupt you, uh, very (laughs) clearly a uh, devout um, believer, and any... Vying from the path that he believes in, he kind of considered to be kind of almost from from the tone of voice, he, he kind of saw it as kind of an unforgivable sin. Yeah, uh, which I'm Sacrilege. sure he would not approve of. Yeah, but I don't, know. I don't know, I don't know the guy very well. I don't know the guy at all. Um, but yes, he was very vehement in his beliefs. The Siberian guy was also very sure in his beliefs, mm-hmm. but. He, he was willing to have a, a debate. Way. Yeah, he was willing
0: yeah. to, to talk and discuss and hear why other people thought differently. Um, mm. And, I mean, I shouldn't... It, it At no point during this discussion did things get, like, hostile or angry. Um, no,
1: I mean, I told the guy to let the other person talk.
0: Yeah. But th- that's just, you know, results. good etiquette. You know, because the other guy was trying to get something out, and he kept interrupting with, like, oh, but yeah. it says this in, you know, this verse, and like, okay, yeah, we get it, it does say that, but I'd like to hear what this man is trying to say. Anyway, it's... That's mostly how it went. So, the YouTube stages thing, it seems like a very interesting concept, and I think we're going to try another foray, maybe into a different, um, different thing, Mm. because while it wasn't quite, um, what we were hoping for, it was still... It was still an interesting experience, and I personally absolutely love just, you know, hearing what other people think and talking to them.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you know you know how on, like, uh, Instagram... No, not Instagram, it's a bad example. Like, I don't know, just one of these generic social medias. You get the people who don't care who their friends were. They'll just hit friend on every single yeah, person that comes like, across
0: th- yeah the stereotype of the the person with like 200 facebook friends and like two in real life
1: well yeah and he knows like two of them um yeah well this is kind of what these discord servers were they're getting the big numbers they weren't they, there was no good content there all right <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> the content was trash volume um, quant- uh qual- what is it quantity over quality exactly um but what all these things had in common was that, that like, that House of Wisdom channel had over a thousand people just in that channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just pre-existing, coming into it, they had, like... Let's say that only 1% of those people, you know, actually tuned into it. So that's 10 people, that immediately puts them 10 people above all the other channels. And that's why they got put on the board, and that's why more people joined those channels. Yeah, um, even Wait. though, like I said, the content was awful. They were even doing the whole gimmick where you know, if you if you're in the channel a lot over this week, then there's a chance that we will we'll give you a free nitro.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the like, the YouTube giveaway sort of scheme. Yeah, or like the the people on on yeah the people on YouTube who go like, oh hey you know the first. Ten people who leave a comment or who subscribe to this get like a hundred dollar gift card or something like that.
1: Yeah. It's, chance to win, chance to win a CSGO knife.
0: Well it's something it's something that we've we've actually discussed a couple times. Um, there there's a, a there's a few ways that I've seen YouTube channels actually grow. Um, mm. and the ones that tend to burn out the quickest and the ones that do that. So I'm just noticing that my hair is sticking up in the back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it could be a good kickstart to get people off the ground, but I feel like it's...
0: At the end of the day, you the, need the to have stuff that's The of gonna... the person
1: that you want yeah. is more important than the... What did I say? The quality of the person is more yeah. important than the quantity. Well, because if
0: people are just there to get the gift card and get a few quick chuckles, they're not gonna stick around. Like, yeah. um, there are channels that are, I think, like... They barely get any views, but they used to get tons. And I still watch them because I still genuinely enjoy what they're putting out. Mm. Um, and I, like that's that's what you need to like to find. So the the servers are the same way. Like, uh, what was it? Last night, um, Sam was coming in and asking if people had the the nitros to like boost his channel because he wants to like get more people in there and get it to grow and stuff like that. And like. A, I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. But B, even like now talking about this, I'm I'm starting to kind of understand that. Oh, maybe it's a way to like attract more members, so that maybe he gets on the board or something like that. And it just
1: yeah, I it, thought he was trying to like offer. I thought he was saying that he had a free nitro's like activation key, and he was just wondered if someone wanted it. But I don't think that was no, no, it, he was talking. He may
0: there may have been that too, but he was talking about having someone boost his channel.
1: Right. Yeah. I... He's also. I'm just gonna quickly, quickly have a look. What's it? Um... What's but, this channel even? I have no idea. Is it decoy? I think, I think it's think? decoy. But but <laughs> let's not get too deep into to
0: deep into that. I don't. Um, I don't want to taking
1: a gander at how many people are already in his channel. Already hundreds, I'd say. Yeah. So th- that's that's
0: kind of my point. Is like. And it does seem to be fairly active, but it'd be interesting to see it in the long term, if that's how he's trying to grow it. It, It's the same sort of thing, like if with, you know, YouTube channels, with any kind of social media, you don't want, you don't really want exponential growth if you're doing it through gimmicks, because then you have to keep thinking up gimmicks. Yeah. Anyway, Um. this, this kind of, um... We kind of got a little bit into the weeds Yeah, sorry, I got
1: got sidetracked. Um,
0: There was another topic.
1: Yes. Always another topic. So. I was watching a uh, YouTube video early on this week about one of my all-time favorite games, Payday 2. And how it's progressing at the moment, because I don't play it much anymore, but it's good to see what they're up to, kind of thing. Um... And, I found out that they had introduced, uh, on, what's the, oh god, April Fool's Day. They introduced a new melee weapon, called, basically called the Big Spoon. And, yes, it was a comically large spoon. Uh, which you could go around and bash policemen with. Uh, that's fine, it's a joke. Um, but obviously stayed after the April Fool's, so mm. it's still in the game today, I'm pretty sure, and if you got 100 kills with the big spoon, then you got the big golden spoon, uh, which did, it was like a better version of the normal spoon, and also had a chance of setting enemies on fire. Now, as a joke weapon, that's fine what I think is really not fine is that it is stronger than any other melee weapon in the game. Oh. So you've got a joke
0: that's more powerful than most of the base equipment.
1: Yeah. So, beforehand, the the best melee weapons, at least the ones that I've run with, were like an ice pick if you're going stealthy because it's kind of concealable but also damaging. And then like a samurai sword if you're going balls to walls. But... Yeah. Now it's just better to take a giant golden spoon that can set people on fire, which is hilarious, I guess, for all of ten minutes. But then it's like, what's happened to this game? It's like uh, what is it, Team Fortress
0: and the hats, except it's actually game breaking. And whereas though, actually, technically, those were kind of game breaking too. People wouldn't play the they games; they just trade hats.
1: <laughs> but like, I, I. And I, I Again, I, I really want to emphasize that I don't mind having comical stuff in the game. There's so many melee weapons, like, you can literally run around punching people with a wad of cash. That's a, that's a melee weapon. Yeah. You can just go slap people with a wad of cash. There's a microphone, there's a briefcase, there's, like, a, a mic stand. Whatever. All funny stuff. Boxing gloves. But making it the most powerful thing... Ah oh, god just, you don't see it often, but when this happens in games, it really annoys me.
0: Well, it's it's game breaking. Balance is important. You you don't want a game to be too balanced, because if it's too balanced then it stops being fun. But you also don't want it completely broken. Like <laughs> Um And it, thinking back, like one of the examples of this that I can think of the original Halo, Halo One. The pistol Mm. in that game was a sniper rifle and a brutal weapon up close. Like, you could, with the pistol, because it had a scope on it, and because it was, like, really, really accurate to the reticule, you could kill people Mm -hmm. from across the map with that gun. But, there were, like, so basically you always wanted, in multiplayer, you always wanted to have a pistol and then one other weapon. Like... It just became the weapon... Ironically, it became the sidearm that everyone held on to, and usually the default weapon, unless you had a rocket launcher or a sniper rifle, because um, those were one-shot kills. Or, or, in my case, a shotgun. I, my, my love for the, the shotgun in video games goes all the way back into my childhood. <laughs> but... Uh, but it, it didn't... Somehow it didn't, it didn't break the game, because by default, everyone spawned with one. See, it was just, what was your secondary weapon that kind of tipped the things? So, it's an example of something that was unbalanced, but it balanced itself. This seems like the opposite. It's like, you use this weapon or you're a fool. Yeah.
1: I don't Um, know. God. I mean, like I said, I haven't played PD in a long while, and I know that they have... Much like the Rainbow, when originally it was super serious kind of counter terrorism terrorism game. Yeah. Now it's got people running around in Pizza Hut costumes and like with jock straps over their face wielding drills. Like, it's just stupid now. Um, <laughs> but at least that stuff is all cosmetic. This is actually game uh, mechanic based. Um, also it's like the only weapon in the melee weapon in the whole game that can set people on fire. Like, it's just, I don't know, it it annoys me Uh. when these games, which are kind of pitched on their, kind of, their coolness, their grittiness, whatever. It's like if Resident Evil, they were like, nah, from now on, we're going to give all the zombies bunny ears, because we, and just, in the standard game. Um because we think that's funny and that'll get more people to play the game. And maybe it will, but it will ruin the whole fucking franchise. <laughs> I will come after you. It. Fear my
0: staff of bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It it there is a certain appeal to having a game that I they're probably chasing a trend because I mean, think about like uh PUBG versus um Fortnite. Yeah. One of them is extremely serious, and one of them is goofy as hell. And the goofy as hell one ended up taking over, despite the uh, serious one being first. And I think that that might
1: just be it. Like, I don't think it was because of the goofiness, though. I think that was because of it, like the, the construction part of it, and the fact that... Well, actually, I suppose it would also be down to the fact that parents would let their kids play Fortnite, whereas they wouldn't let them play PUBG. Yeah,
0: because PUBG actually looks like a serious war game. Whereas Fortnite, you know, I
1: don't know, you've got, like, a bouncing Thanos jumping out of a bus. Parents aren't going to let you play as a bank robber that shoots policemen, as long as there's a big spoon in the game to whack people with. Are you kidding me? My mom let me play Grand Theft Auto when I was 13. Yeah, because she, well, I was about to say she doesn't give a fuck if you saw the Grand Theft Auto-ness of it, but it wasn't because there was, like, a happy hippo costume in the game. Like, is, that wasn't what changed here. I, kind of,
0: just a funny story, and I don't know how happy she's gonna be with me telling this story. But um, oh, like soon after um, I got it, she she decided she wanted to give it a try, and um, oh, didn't I... bother playing it. She just got in the car and started running people over on the sidewalk, laughing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I,
0: it's a very fond memory.
1: I have. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Oh, God. but yeah, no, that's why I've been I've been peeved about that, and I think it is a thing throughout many games. It's just this one hit a little close to home. Um, God, it's it's it's, it's, it's the fucking murky of Hots <laughs> It looks fucking de- stupid. It shouldn't be in the game, and yet it can kill fucking tanks. Deceptively overpowered. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I can see that. Sorry, this is <laughs> Murky is a, um, is a character in Heroes of the Storm, um, a game that we actually discussed recently. He's this little frog thing, got practically no health, but right before death he can use a shield that just lets him float away and take no damage. Um, and later on in the game he gets attacks that essentially can p- take people down with like 20 times his health in a few seconds. Brutally overpowered character if you're playing him right. Absolutely idiotic. Looks dumb, sounds dumb, is dumb, but he's gonna kick your ass.
1: Yeah, there's no point in killing him because you get a quarter of the points for killing him as opposed to a normal hero.
0: Yeah, that's the other Uh, thing.
1: Even even after he gets really broken, you get nothing
0: for actually beating him.
1: Yeah, he's a solo laner, so he can basically handle one to two players by himself uh, whilst clearing a wave of minions. Oh, it's just yeah, it's one of those things.
0: I just realized. Yeah, anyway. Just realized that came through the mic. I just cracked all of my knuckles. And I'm looking over at Audacity, and it's like Spike, Spike, <laughs> Spike. <Riff. laughs> Sorry about that, people who are listening. Hopefully, the noise uh, reduction gets rid of that, but uh, probably yeah. won't.
1: So, probably not. <laughs> all right, ready for the last topic? Yes. Okay, so this is one we were having yesterday. And uh, we kind of stopped halfway through it because we are like, ooh, this is a good thing to talk about. Mm. But I mean, and that is people... When you're playing with friends online, uh, I guess it could be transferred to other things that are not playing computer games. Mm. But when, let's say one person is busy and so they can't get on and the other person goes just a little bit further ahead and then a little bit more... And then suddenly there's a big difference, and it's not fun anymore for the second player.
0: It's it's what I like to call, and I, I, I thought of this name yesterday, because this is the first game I ever heard of it happening in, because it happened back in college to me, um, as Portal 2 Syndrome. Like, Portal 2, it's a co-op, like, it has a co-op puzzle-solving element, right? If one player yep. has played through it already and the other player hasn't, it's not fun for either player, because the first player already knows how to solve the puzzles, but doesn't want to spoil it for the friend, or is an asshole and spoils it for the friend. Either way, it's not that much fun for them, unless they like torturing their friends. Um, the second one, like the person who's playing co-op with them, that person, it's not fun for them, because they either have to solve the puzzles solo, which, why are they doing it co-op anyway, or they have an asshole friend telling them the solutions before they can even figure it out. Um, and you see this now in... its it, to a lesser extent, it happens in other games like um, I don't know Diablo Three. I know a bunch of fr- my friend college friends got ahead of me in that, and I was basically just like, "Oh God, okay, whatever, let's take me to the boss because <laughs> I have no idea what the yeah. fuck I'm doing." Um, but you, you, uh sorry. Just to give an intro, um, from like the first time I've ever experienced this happening was was back then. You don't see this so much with competitive games. you somebody's more skilled and it takes the other person time to get up. It's more about- Unless
1: it's games like CSGO, where we can't play ranked CSGO together unless we play that special mode. Yeah. Um, because if you have a big enough uh, differentiation in your rank, then it just doesn't let you play together, and I'm assuming it's the same with Rainbow. But we're not that far apart, in Rainbow.
0: I I still don't understand what the hell happened with CS:GO. Can I have a, like a tiny rant about that real quick? Go we used it. to play uh, we play Wingman, which is the dual like the two two on two mode, and yep. our scores we usually finish pretty close to each other in terms of kills. Like you usually finish ahead of me, but it's not by much. Like it's not like I'm not pulling my weight in the game, and mm-hmm. somehow. You end up at like the highest, one of the highest ranks in the Globally game. Globally,
1: the highest rank.
0: And I end up at the literal lowest rank in the game. Silver one. Like, and we're always playing together. It's just, <laughs> what the hell is happening here?
1: Yeah, it's because the the game is like, okay, you got a silver one and a global elite. The silver one knows what he's getting into by playing with the global elite. So we're going to put them against someone who's only slightly less leveled than the global elite... To mm. bounce ba- it out. And... Yeah, so, so you'd end up facing against, like... Master... Whatever... Class. Yeah. And... Even when we won, which we quite often did... You, you wouldn't level up. Because... You get the same amount of points of winning against a silver as you do for winning against a master. Which is idiotic. But,
0: sorry. Yeah. I interrupted to go on my own private tangent there. Um, but you're you're thinking more uh, specifically about, um, some of the more, like, open world kind of games.
1: Yes, yeah, so, um, ones where you have typically a, a home base and you progress the base through ages and that kind of thing. Um, So that if, and you'll have a community Of friends like like, Think think Minecraft Yeah, if a segment of those friends then went off And, you know, killed the ender dragon And Got elytras And fought the wither And then the other people came back Online and they're like Okay, the village looks completely Different than it did before Uh, I don't know, maybe someone's Taken some of my stuff (laughs) And I have no idea about it um, all these other things have changed it's, it's equipment's way better now for everyone. What's the point in me playing yeah
0: your your village hovel has turned into a skull fortress while you've been away
1: yeah there's no there's no nothing for me to achieve anymore because it's already been achieved for me from while I was offline with my friends doing it yeah. and uh it is a it is a horrible thing um to happen and I have been on both sides of it i I don't know if you have Kaiser. I'm mean, yeah. one side at least.
0: I, yeah, I, I've been on. I have been on both sides of it. it it's happened with um. So, d- the other side, I, I, the, the Portal Two thing that I never played that game, but I, I had mm. friends who did in college, and that's that was the uh, the thing. Because I could never, I never had somebody to play it with. Because my friends had all kind of paired off and played it before I got a chance to. Um, but I've had it happen to me in Factorio. Uh, on the the end where like I've had work and stuff like that and you know when I left off we were kind of at the industrial age you know irons and smelters and building trains and things and I get back and they've got this giant fortress with automated gun turrets and robots flying around doing all the construction I'm like what the fuck happened
1: yeah oh God, I gotta hate those robots
0: <laughs> and so here I am you know mr. like Iron Age man coming in and trying to figure out how the hell all this newfangled technology works, and it was just it it, it was too much too quickly, and so it ended up just kind of not being fun, but by the yeah. same token I'm trying to think, have I done that I have done that to, to other people, but it's been on, it actually, I used Minecraft as an example, but it was on Minecraft <laughs> um but I only used my powers to troll. Minecraft's okay. a little bit different though, because you can kind of... I, you know, I don't think... You can I,
1: isolate yourself in that, can't you?
0: Yeah, you can. You can kind of... It's like, oh, this this place is too developed, I can just go off in the desert and build my pyramid out here.
1: Although there's only one Ender Dragon, to be fair.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that wasn't think, that actually. One. There might be more now, I'm not sure. That wasn't in the game back when I played it seriously. True. Um, if you can ever play that game seriously. But no, I I, oh, yeah. I I can't offhand think of a time where I've been on the end where I'm the one progressing way too far. Yeah.
1: And it's not just material progression either. We've discussed this before. Um, yeah. Like, the reason that I don't get anyone in the hive to play Payday 2 is because... I've played it for so long, I know so much about it, even though I could be on even footing with them in equipment with the stuff that I pick, it would not be the same, it would still be a vast differentiation. Which... And equally on the opposite side, same reason I don't like playing, you know, Seven Days to Die, or League of Legends especially, yeah. It's because there is such a vast differentiation in my knowledge of the game compared to other friends' knowledges of the game. That it's just not fun for me to play like they might say yeah you just do this it's fine easy and i can do that but then but you... i don't know why i'm doing it yeah and the league of legends was the
0: example i gave last night when we talked about this because i th- i this is my my personal opinion builds that you can pick up online have hmm. ruined that game for new players mm-hmm. because Back, there, there were no like there were no build sites like think sites like Naopgg uh, sites like uh, Mobafire site, all, all these sites that you can pick up builds for characters and look at how how pros play them and stuff like that all this analytics they have ruined the game for new players because everyone just looks up a, they're like I want to I want to try out this guy so they just pull up a build okay this is how I play him and they they just follow the instructions. Whereas back mm. when I like actually had a lot of fun with the game, from like 2010 to 2014, which is when I was probably the most active in it, um, I like you, there, those sites really didn't exist or they weren't big enough, so people were still like making up their own builds, trying new plays on the fly, improvising, and mm. that made it fun. That made it like spontaneous and interesting. Um, now people just pull up a build, and they don't they don't go through that process. They don't actually learn how to play a character because they didn't go through that process. They looked up instructions, read them, and just play it that way. And some of the more creative players will eventually pick up and start to think outside the box, but most of them are just every, every game, every single way. They follow the instructions, and they get pissed when people don't follow the instructions.
1: Yeah, so... Um, so my but, similarity is not important. sorry
0: just, just to I, I realized i didn't tie it back to to tie it back to what you were saying though like that is the issue when you've been even competitive games when you've been playing them for years and then somebody brand new comes in they've now they don't have that background knowledge even if the game starts out an even footing every single time you've got mm. people who they know the gameplay, they know the builds, they know the characters and the people who are just coming in and they just wanna, that, that, that fresh virginal experience of learning the game is lost.
1: Yeah, um, I, I've played with a lot of people uh, on Payday in the past that I've, I've met through Payday, I mean, because um, mm-hmm. obviously it's a cooperative game. Yeah. There has to be some level of talking to each other, like, whether it's, you know, I need someone to get me up, or I need ammo, or whatever. Um, and the number, I have met quite a few people who are really good at the game, but it was because of, like, external sources. So, when there's a big patch, I remember back in the day, it, it's gone through phases of what weapons are the best weapons to use, like, the best class of weapons. At one point, shotguns were just amazing, and I was really enjoying going around with a double-barreled shotgun, because that's just what I'd play naturally anyway, because I love, like, double-barreled shotguns. Mm. Um, and then, the the patch, there was a patch, and suddenly pistols became ridiculously overpowered. I mean, ridiculously overpowered. Uh, and so, that's all you'd see people doing, was running around with these pistols, and just getting all the kills, doing all the objectives... Um, and I was kind of fine with that up until the point when people started complaining that I wasn't pulling my weight because I was pulling my weight I just wasn't using pistols you weren't following the meta yeah I I was playing the game as a game it's not it's not a a ranked online competitive game it's basically a single player game that you can play with buddies online (laughs) Um. Yeah, and I don't know. Just play the game with the shittest weapons. If if like as long as it's fun, doesn't matter. There's the, a gun called the broomstick pistol, hmm. which is like an old World War Two German pistol kind of thing. Yeah, like a Ruger you can fit that thing with like a, a a sniper rifle barrel and like a, a guns, like a rifle stock, and you can run around with akimbos of them. And it's fucking hilarious and great fun. Um, and, I mean, okay, back when that did like, was literally zero damage. Okay, not so much, because then you can't actually kill anyone, but... Uh, I don't know, just the, the great wide variety of things that are available in that game. And I mean, there is so many different guns... Don't just limit it down to you know one class of guns, yeah, or you know a giant golden spoon that sets people on fire.
0: Going, and I'm gonna go back to League of Legends, talking about this. This is this is the other issue with that is that now uh, Riot Games, the you know parent company that made the game, they've mm. sort of followed they followed the 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 trend of people just wanting to follow these rigid paths, right? And so, Mm -hmm. a lot of their patches in the game have made it more rigid. So that, like, even the the creative players that kind of wanted to go outside the box, now the game is actually less functional if you go outside the box. I remember a build that uh, Adam did, like, this was back in 2013 or 2014, and he he did Mm -hmm. this for fun every now and again. There's a mage character called Brand. And um, he, like he's excellent you know, if you build him magic damage, but there was, he, has, he has a very quick stun. Like if he hits somebody with a spell and then hits him with another spell very quickly, they get stunned. Yeah. Um, and he can do that very easily. And it normally does a lot of damage, but Adam used to play him like attack damage, physical damage instead of magic, and build yeah. him with attack speed. So essentially what would happen is he'd do that very quick stun. The stun would do basically no damage because it was... No magic damage, yeah. But he had so much attack speed and, and physical damage that then, at, while they're stunned, he would just shred them. Mm. <laughs> I actually, I tried doing that build, um, you know, a, a, a year or so back, just to see if it still worked. And it did kind of work, but they've, they've nerfed mages a nerfed uh sorry um reduced the uh the the viability of majors going anything except for magic so it's kind of followed a route of the players got less creative and the players got less open to the idea of doing things other than what is the correct way to do it um and so the creators of the game made the game itself less able to like permit that sort of behavior I don't know all
1: right but yeah you got a kind of gist on this I think um... yeah
0: yeah let's let's end it there that's that's a good good point to end on both of our sad faces <laughs> yeah <laughs> I we're, we're, we're getting mired in nostalgia Um it's fine the next two segments we're going to be loving it i think (laughs) oh my god yeah so yeah stick around uh next set we got like the rest of the podcast this is going to be a packed podcast we probably are going to go long on this one but that's fine because we got a lot to talk about so um thank you everyone for listening this is going to be the end of segment one of the tmcj podcast we are going to move on to segment two in just a moment thank you all for listening Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment, and uh, Blue made an attempt to throw me off this time, but. You smiled. I saw the smile. I was smiled because Discord cut out at the exact moment you did it, and so I saw you do it. it I saw you do it, but Uh, I didn't hear it. (laughs) You missed the duck noodle. I did. Um, Anyway, so we've got. we've both got one thing to talk about for this segment Uh, I want to talk about Lucifer. Uh, Blue has been reading a book so since we're talking about a book in the third segment thought we'd start off with the book so we get
1: book show book so Blue take it away. So the book uh, Origins of Blue Bear this is where I got my username from many many years ago when I was but a child <laughs> uh, from from this book uh, by a German author called Walter Moers. Uh It's called the Thirteen and a Half Lives of Captain Bluebeard, and it's it's just that it's a um. What's it? The, the quote on the front, I think, describes it pretty well. Uh, Moore's creative mind is like J.K. Rowling's on ecstasy. So <laughs> that is a that's on the front book. of the book. That's a thick book, by the way. You guys
0: can't see it this is. book, but it it looks like a dictionary. The thing is like, what is that, like a thousand pages?
1: Five hundred? It's just over seven hundred. Um, yeah, pretty big. Right in between my and two guesses. It looks, like right, from the title, and from the look of the front cover, it looks like a children's book. It is not a children's book. Uh, within like... <sighs> I don't know. So, so, just just the language they use, right? So, not I'm talking, not talking like adult language where it's like rude or crass. Um, but many of the words I still don't know <laughs> because they're they're very, I guess the words, eloquent. Yeah. Um, Esoteric. Very even. snobby words sometimes, <laughs> um, but for the most part, it's readable. It's just the occasional bit, um, and some of the themes. If you really think about some of the themes, they're quite dark, um, but they're pitched in like a almost cartoony manner, sort of like a uh, like Grimm's uh,
0: fairy tales. Grimm fairy tales. Um, no, no, Grimm. I can't. Like the the G R I M M. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, should clarify. Not grim is in dark.
1: Well. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's I mean, where the are. word comes from. Maybe, but grim. Then Aspen senses one, um, not two. Who knows? Anyway, so, uh, the book starts out, and there's this tiny, tiny little blue bear floating, hmm. uh, on the edge of the largest maelstrom on, on the planet. Uh, it's like floating on the edge of it, inside of a, uh, half a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um... So just, just, that's just to give you a perspective of size when, when this blue bear is somehow born, um, we have no idea how he got there, it's just how it happens, and he's picked up by mini pirates who are like the best sailors in the sea but they can never invade another person's ship because they're like less than a foot tall <laughs> and so they, they may be the best at being a pirate, but they're also you know, tiny and not very offensive um so he spends like a year or two with them. He can't speak at this point. He doesn't understand anything. They teach him how to tie knots and how to sail. Um, but that's about it. And so eventually, he gets too big for the for the boat, and so he's dropped off at an island. And on that island, it's the first time he ever sees night properly because on the ship there was always like lanterns and stuff lighting up the area, and um, because the pirate, mini pirates were like terrified of, of ghosts, kind of thing. So he gets to this island, it goes pitch black, and basically, yeah, night terrors, ghosts appear and start watching him, and he cries. Like, this child, he can't speak, he just starts crying. Uh, And then he works out, the ghosts like the fact that he's crying, and he actually puts on performances for the ghosts every night. They bring him food, if he does this, like, heart-wrenching, sobbing, crying show every night for them. Uh, So you can see how it's a bit fucking weird, right? The Yeah, no,
0: (laughs) but I I like it. It's got a very, um... What is it? Fantastical kind of feel to Mm. it. Almost ethereal, like, it's just... It's close to what we know, but it's still, like, just otherworldly enough to really hook you.
1: Yeah. And so, eventually... He, he, he's looking at himself in, like, the reflection of a pond one day, and he's like, man, I'm basically turning into these things. I'm becoming vain. I'm demanding more from my audience. Uh, because he, he becomes not afraid of them. And he, he's, he's like honing his craft of learning to cry. Uh, and he starts hating himself, and he's like, no, I've gotta leave this island. So he straps together some trees, um, sets out with a rudimentary sail, and just starts drifting. Uh, and there's this, like, the the biggest ship in the world kind of passes by him, and no one notices his calls because there seems to be something strange about the ship. But it goes back to that way later in the book, I know. Hmm. Uh, and, yes, he's drifting along the sea, and he starts hearing voices. And it turns out there are these two, uh, how can I say this, like, special waves called babbling brooks, which they are uh, known for basically finding people lost at sea, driving them insane and getting them to drown themselves. Uh, you can see how this is very dark despite it being <laughs> Well, yeah, but <laughs> but most.
0: So just can I a little a little tangent here. Go for it. Um The reason most children's stories like back in the day were fairly dark was that yeah. like there it was supposed to be like not supposed to be but it was a fantastical and like fantasy kind of way Mm. to teach children the reality that there are a lot of dangers out in the world um like without explicitly telling them that there are dangers out in the world and what those dangers are because if you if you told a child what kind of horrors actually exist in the real world it would traumatize them you, you mm. guise it in this, this fantastical fashion and then they so it's the reason like the big bad wolf uh, in the whole Red Riding Hood story it's you know mm. you know she's walking alone in the woods and the wolf is going to come and eat her and all this other stuff and it's, it's very clearly a like if, if you think about it it's a way to teach you know young girls that if you go out alone and you you're out alone in the forest that there's a chance that some Essentially, a rabid beast yeah. of a man might accost you. Mm-hmm. To put it in <laughs> a gentler terms, uh, same thing with with like the, all these these other they in all of them, in a very storybook fashion, they they teach lessons about life. And so, yes, while this is very dark, it's dark in the same way that a lot of older kind of children's stories were in that there's there's stuff underneath the surface where it's like yeah bad bad things happen but they happen in a very storybook way to teach it, it's again it's a more gentle way to introduce you know children to the fact that they, although from what you're saying this this is less um i don't know if that would you I'm gonna ask you this right now: Would you class this as a, a children's book, like a young adult book? Is it a book meant for adults? W- what are your thoughts? You said I you think read it's this a when a child's
1: you're... young enough. Like, if if you're reading a, if you're reading a child a, a book and they're young enough, it doesn't matter what you're reading them. You can read them Shakespeare, and it's just it's just to get them to go to sleep. To sleep. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, if a child understood the ramifications of like madness and suicide. I might not. I think it's definitely like a, a book for uh, teenagers. I think. So, yeah. I wouldn't say below that. Young
0: adult um, kind of. Okay. Got but it. But yeah,
1: so these uh, these waves are like trying to drive him insane, but he doesn't understand what the fuck they're getting on about because he he, un- he doesn't understand English. Mm. Um, and so they actually kind of feel like. They get kind of depressed talking to him, and they're like, feel a bit sorry, and they, they decide to teach him how to speak. Uh, and over an unmentioned amount of time, I'm not sure how much it was, he, he learns how to speak, and really quite eloquently, because their whole thing is that they go up front and, and talk to people and drive them crazy, so they're quite good at, <laughs> at language. Yeah, you have to be quite um, the... Um, linguist. Yeah, to be able to actually...
0: Talk someone into that state of mind.
1: Yeah. So um, eventually, there's like a current, and they have to move on, and he's left again on his own in the middle of the sea, and he's running out of resources. Uh, and then, like a giant. There's a lot of giant things, granted, in this in this book, but at this point, this is when he is like, a, barely, a child. So I guess it makes sense that everything looks larger to him at that time. Um, Imagine, like, a kind of... A mammoth equivalent of a whale. Like, a huge, huge version of a whale with a single Mm -hmm. eye. And... Very, very hostile tendencies. Yeah. uh, Comes up from below him and is going to swallow him whole. He manages to get up on his back. And his raft is utterly destroyed, so he's looking around and thinking, ah, shit, there's a bunch of harpoons in this thing's back, maybe I can pull them out and tie them together, make a new raft. Hmm. So he's pulling them out, and each time he does, the the whale is letting out a sigh of relief kind of thing. Uh, And he finally pulls out the last one, and he's like, oh, great, I've done it. And then he realizes, hang on, I haven't strapped any together, and I've just pulled the last one out of its back. and So it immediately dives. (laughs) Uh, and he's kind of just like, ah, shit, but it left him near an island, Mm. and so he swims the island. The island is filled with the most wonderful, uh, fruit and, and vegetable growths. Uh, there's, like, cocoa pods, there's rivers of milk, uh, there's sap that tastes like gravy another that tastes like syrup uh and all these delicious foods and he he spends an, again another year there just trying all the different foods if he eats too much of one thing it gets replaced by a new thing it's like this paradise island there's other animals there chilling out um and just all there's even like carnivorous animals but they don't eat the other animals because they've learned to live in harmony with just eating off the land um have and so he does go. on Have you ever read the Odyssey? Yes. It
0: it ha, it it has a very similar vibe. Yes. Okay. Oh oh sorry you're oh, you're getting there. Yeah. Okay, go on.
1: Uh and after a year he is he's become like a gourmet gourmet uh gourmand whatever the fuck the word is. Hmm. Gourmet, uh he yeah. he's become very picky. He eats very particular foods. He is eating a lot more. He's eating snacks between his meals and he becomes largely overweight uh, and then one day he's like reaching for something to eat and the tree like turns to ash in his hands and the creatures and the birds and the little little animals all start like melting away in front of him and the whole island turns into like uh, a fleshy mound with mouths trying to eat him uh, they were fattening yeah. him up yeah, exactly. It's like the special um, island-type sea creature that fattens up its... a uh, victim, and it only needs something like... I can't remember what it said. A certain amount of food per year, so it saved him up for the right amount of time, and it, he was ripe, so decided to eat him. And then he gets saved by a pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking pterodactyl comes in... Uh, and saves him and the pterodactyl I think is meant to be representative of like um, kind of like the, a police right so pterodactyls in this world have an inbuilt thing where they it's it's like their job to, to save other people but only in the very last second before they get killed okay um, and this particular pterodactyl that picked him up was like so I noticed you because you're a giant fat blue blob in the middle of an island, basically. I've got really shitty eyesight. You need to be my eyes for the next... However long. Okay, so he becomes... Uh, and thus he gets recruited into the cops. Exactly, he becomes a buddy cop. Uh, and that's kind of where I am. I'm like, uh, 100 pages in or something. Um, but yeah. Uh, very old book. In fact, Captain Blue Bear was after... He released this book. It actually got taken up by a German uh, animation thing, and now there's like a Captain Bl- Captain Blaubar segment at the end of these children's shows in Germany. Mm. It's really cool. Um, Blaubar,
0: wait, <laughs> yeah, that I I I mean it. Honestly, I I didn't I barely wanted to interrupt you because I was just
1: sitting there. I was actually really enjoying the story. Mm. It's just it's just like. Of a weird, vomity mesh of creativity.
0: But the thing is, it, it started off and it reminded me of like the the grim fairy tales, um, mm. and it, like it had the, the the smack of a children's story. But then, mm. as you went on a little bit further, like I started to like as you went from place to place and challenge to challenge and experience to experience, um, I started to think, like I said, of the Odyssey because that's what Odysseus mm. did coming back from the Trojan Wars um uh, he like he the 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 like island part really islands. like yeah. struck home with me because he him and his crew they end up on the island of the lotus eaters and mm. they're like they essentially it's just these people who do nothing but they they chill and they eat the lotus flower and they're happy and they they don't have a care in the world and some of the crew wants to stay there and they they do stay there um and but the rest of them venture on and venture forth cuz they need to get home to Greece um ironically the people spoiler alert for those who haven't read the odyssey everyone but odysseus dies yeah except for the crew that stayed behind in the island of the lotus eaters
1: unless they die I mean there, 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 too. there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of islands in the odyssey where it's like it's so like the the women of of that the, the beautiful women of one of the islands yeah who were like cannibals or something i can't remember
0: yeah they they seduce the men in order to
1: yeah kill them in their sleep or something yeah um so yeah there's a lot of those kind of temptation things uh, and yeah it's exactly the same with that where it's teaching kids i guess to not be greedy and um if you go back to in particular to
0: like ancient stories like the odyssey mm. even going back to our conversation last week about the the mythologies of like the Norse Greek and Roman gods they were they were teaching lessons about humanity cuz you didn't have like a a school system that kind of brought people up educated and kind of started them on a somewhat equal footing mm. you you had to like the stories were meant to kind of teach lessons about life without actually teaching things. So somebody might not know, you know, why, like on a philosophical level it would be bad to do a certain thing. They would know that, you know, when this um, this god did that sort of thing then they somebody got murdered or there was a tragedy or something like that. Um, god I really normally I'm better with an example that I can just pull out and go like because I know that story there's I want to yeah. say it was I want to say it was Adonis no anyway I can't remember but point being like that that there's there's value in those I think even for like young adults and adults there's
1: value in those kinds of stories um, yeah I, I mean so just to quickly wrap all the ones I can think of um, leaving the mini pirates, super sad, but it teaches people that you have to move on in life. Mm. Uh, when it was with the ghouls on the island, it was teaching that, and they even used the word. He saw himself as a prima donna, mm. like fame and power can corrupt you. Yeah, so that's why he had to move on. Uh, helping out a uh, a beast that had been harpooned and left him got got made him. It put him in a bad place, but the place was at least land. Like, he was running out of water and he needed somewhere to be. So, yeah. a kind of karmic system there. Don't be greedy, obviously, with the food. And uh, now it's kind of like a giving back to the community kind of thing that he's got with uh, the pterodactyls. Hmm. So, yeah. Alright, I don't want to dwell on it too long. I actually,
0: you've made no, me got stuff to talk about. As you but continue yes. reading it, I'd love to, to hear more as you get like further into the book because Absolutely. I actually really enjoyed listening to that. Um, <laughs> so Lucifer, um, are, this is the show. <laughs> ironically, the show isn't that philosophical, but we waxed philosophical for like a half hour last. Yeah, podcast. We talk about goals all day. Yeah. Well, I mean, mythology, history—it's it's all something that I, it's something that we both have, you know, an interest in. Um, mm. So. I have to say, I did not give the show enough credit, like last week well we I, I was very hesitant because I was thinking, oh god this is this is a weird turn whenever a show introduces God, there's like <laughs> you've you've introduced something that's like completely supposed to be infallible. omnipotent and all powerful and everything and you're introducing it into a show where you've already made the devil a Californian that needs therapy, so um. <laughs> What what? Where are you gonna go with this? Yeah, and I have to say they they actually went an interesting direction with it. So the the rest of the series it goes on. They introduce some like um, political machinations that are going on up in in like in heaven between the the different angels. Um, Michael, the archangel. What? Sorry. What? I'm just gonna say. You totally should have talked about this with the religious guys. Oh my god, this show! No, the the Bible been... quote guy would have given me like eighteen million reasons why <laughs> that the, just watching the show would have sent me to hell. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Any, anyway, so so it go, it goes on, and there there is an absolutely amazing musical episode. I I'm hmm. not a fan of musicals, but um, essentially they. They, they have God played by a discount Morgan Freeman, who, like, mm. is actually really good. Like, this guy has a voice that, like, a bass drum would be jealous of. Like, he's... it's like... Just, like, he's the kind of... You don't of, think it's altered? No, I don't, actually. I, I, I really don't. Uh, it doesn't sound like it was altered at all, at least. Anyway, so... <laughs> throughout the episode like uh the, like God is it, like they make a point of the fact that God is very bored by like kind of the way mortals do things and so he um just without anyone knowing it except for the other like um celestials the other immortals uh, like they notice it but they they are powerless to stop it he turns everything into a musical number so like they're right. they're they're he's and at the end of the i got to show you the the Sounds end like of the gold episode
1: needs therapy in this <laughs>
0: i got to show you the end of the episode it's good but that's they so what they get to is that um like lucifer the main character he gets angry and points out that like the god just doesn't understand like what what's going on like he's lived down here he's started to understand humans and you know that god living up in at this this really really high level, he's he doesn't understand uh, what's going on. Yeah. So, um, God makes a point that he like something's been going wrong. Like he can't quite control the, the his all powerful might like he used to, and so to try and to try and understand, he makes himself mortal, makes himself into a human for uh like a period of time, and um they go on and they they have cuz it's it's a it's a cop show so they have like investigations and things and it all relates they they do this very uh, i I mentioned Californian culture a lot like last time and they god do they ever like um they ever ham it up because everything in the show relates back to how somebody's having some interpersonal issue or some mental issue that they have to work through or some family issue or something like that. And whatever murder they're solving, it always ties back into whatever interpersonal issue is going on between like the main cast of characters. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just... I'm trying to think of some of the uh, the major things. But the way they resolve it, too, is also very good. Because it ends, ironically, with... um. God deciding that yes, he has become kind of out of touch with this plane of reality and he's going to move on into like another dimension, which sets up the what I presume is the next season a civil war between the angels and it actually does happen um at the end of the series and it ends up being like a really it I, it's none of none of it's grounded in like anything from. Like it's all very, very. It's all pure fiction, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 if somebody um, read the spark notes of the Bible and then decided yeah. they were going to make a TV show about the main characters in it.
1: Um, but that being said, I thought it was handled pretty well. Um, kind of sparse on. I deep... mean, you could say that you know Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat was technically musical so i mean there's that tentative link why are you looking at me like that (laughs) (laughs) the the dead silence was a stare
0: um i don't know i i ended up enjoying it but i enjoyed the whole series season two and three got very dry but um i think netflix has done a good job with it and again, the things that normally grate me about like a lot of modern TV shows, especially ones on Netflix, the fact that they just have to insert California into everything. Not California the place, but California the people. Um, <laughs> it makes sense in this show, because it's set in LA. So I can be like, ah, California, you're such weirdos. Mm. And then move on.
1: Have they gone to like, a snapshot of Russia or anything at this point? Russia? What? Yeah, like, has it gone anywhere outside of
0: California? They had one episode set in Vegas. Oh, okay, so basically just another version of California. No, God, no. Vegas is, like... Vegas is not California. <laughs> well, I mean... Like, the... the... So... In California, I don't say anything that will be mean. <laughs> oh, I'll say plenty of things that are mean. In California, everyone is very whiny and everyone needs help. In Vegas, everyone needs help, yeah. but no one will admit it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely similarity. I mean, it's not that far of a stretch. Yeah, but the help is. It's different. not like it's not like California and Boston. <laughs> that yeah okay that's a that's a that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, oh like, so God. they haven't actually gone and seen like a, uh, an entirely different part of the world and see what's happening over there, whether there are angels and demons over in Russia. No, 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 all know, the like angels and demons controlling are- Controlling Putin. They're, they're-
0: All the angels and demons- the devil? No, all the angels and demons, they're all in LA. Oh. Why the fuck would you go to LA? Los Angeles. Go to Washington in the least. The name of the city is The Angels. In Spanish,
1: so Los Angeles.
0: I'm just Does that saying. mean
1: they're confined to one city on Earth? That's stupid, Kaiser. That's stupid. I know, I know. There's a town called Hell. Why isn't Lucifer there? It's a
0: what well, the 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 whole original premise was. He he wanted to leave Hell because he was bored of being
1: there. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to be there in the first place. I'll always remember there was a um, a news article when hell the town literally froze over. I have a <laughs> picture. Like, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a picture of um, the sign
0: covered in snow. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, just I didn't. I don't want to dwell on it too long because you know most of this segment we talked. And I do want to get on to talking about Red Rising um, after this. That's the book yeah. we're going to be talking about. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned that. Lots um, of books, but just to kind of summarize, they handled it better than I feared, and I did really enjoy that last uh, season. Um, and there's I don't I don't know if the series is over or if there's going to be more to it, because um, they kind of did have a big climactic battle right at the end between the angels, and it ends right. in quite dramatic fashion so I'm not sure if the series is over over or if they're going to try to squeeze a se- uh, season six out of it
1: hmm but you know it's good I wonder if they got the same backlash that bad omens got you know from the religious community where they were like this isn't what actually happened I wonder cuz so they actually do
0: aside from the fact that they have all of the you know higher beings uh, you know being californians in la mm. they actually do get things fairly accurate to how like the the bible stories actually happened like you know they they do do quite a few biblical references and they do them right in that they're actually quoting what is said to have happened yeah um I don't know. It'd be interesting to look up. I, maybe I'll, I'll look up a little bit more about that and see if any of that I, happened.
1: To be fair, I don't, I don't think it could be any further. Like uh, in in good omens, it is good omens, not bad omens. I think.
0: I know it is bad omens. I'm ninety percent sure. Because it's I think th- I keep saying bad omens, and I think it's wrong. <laughs> I think it's bad omens. I okay. really do
1: well, think it's bad omens. The, um, the like the the Adam and Eve scene. Yeah uh the the good angel gives Adam his sword and uh the, the Rip Cripley uh let's say Ripley uh goes over to the angel and he's like, Are you sure that was a, a good idea to give this guy your flaming sword of holy justice? And you can just see in the background this Adam is just like stabbing a dude. <laughs> Which is probably, probably something that, you know, a lot of people would have a problem with. Yeah. Obviously it was for comedy. I,
0: I will say they, they treat things... Oh, they uh, they do make Eve a lesbian in this show. Oh, really? Well, bisexual.
1: Okay. Fair enough, I guess? I mean, they kind of can't make her... Yeah. Adam doesn't show because, up, but I mean... but
0: Eve actually escapes heaven because she's bored in one episode. And then,
1: and I'm not saying, before anyone jumps down my throat, I'm not saying that she can't be gay. I'm saying that in the story she's like the ancestor of everyone on the planet, so in theory she must have given birth or something. Well,
0: yeah, and they, they make a point in the episode of uh, her saying something, well, essentially just being like, well, there, there was no one else. Hmm. Um, fair enough. Because they, they do, like, I, I don't know, every time... They bring up... I worry, because most of the time when religion is brought up in modern movies or TV shows, it's treated very derisively. It's treated as, you know, silliness or it's, Mm. you know, mocked or ridiculed or something like that. But this show actually does a very good job of treating it fairly. Um, And sort of... I, I, I don't know, it just... I'm I'm a I'm a fan of how they handled themselves throughout the show, um, hmm. and I say that as somebody who is Catholic. I mean, yeah, I just it's maybe I'm just like uh, so accustomed to having faith mocked in media that it's just a breath of fresh air when it's when that isn't being actively done. Yeah. There we go. Rise Rising time. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm really excited to talk about the book. All right. Um, I'm not even going to draw this out. No final thoughts. Let's just end this. Uh, This is going to be the end of segment two of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening. We are going to move on to segment three where we will talk about a book that I loved so much I finished it in a week. Thank you all for listening. You'll hear us again momentarily for segment three. Did you say Shibuya? Sorry. Welcome back to the I TMCJ did. podcast. Yes! He wins!
1: Kevin! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We're on segment three, our wild card, And this week it is a book review. We are... Uh, Blue wow. has told... He told me to read this book years ago. Years ago. And I finally got around to it. Um, the reason it took me so long is I was listening to it on Audible. And I started a book series, which I've talked about on this podcast which uh, took me a while to get through, because it turns out there were two trilogies. Um, And uh, now that I've finished those, I've moved on to this one. Uh, The book, Red Rising, and it is excellent. Like, I started this book late last week, and I've already finished it and moved on to the second book, which I'm ten chapters into the second book. Um, It's just... And I listened to the audiobook. Uh, too, just because I'm already in the middle of way too many physical books. Uh, so, excellent, excellent book. It's it's sort of sci-fi, political, philosophical, it just, it's got a little bit of everything. I, yeah. So I'm gonna do, I'll do a quick plot synopsis, and feel free to jump in at any point to talk about it.
1: Well, I was thinking, should we do it, like, just in chronological order, the events? Uh, I mean, the the up till the point where he leaves the mind, that's like tutorials. We don't have to talk much about that. That's just explaining the mm. the characters. But
0: the... that context is very important. I feel
1: it is. So let's let's do that
0: then. I'll I'll summarize a part and then we'll discuss. I'll summarize a part and then we'll discuss. Yeah. Because this is one of the the rare instances where we've both read this book. Um. And, well, obviously, since he recommended it to me. Many uh, times.
1: So, I've read it many times.
0: Okay. so the book opens up and you're following uh, Darrow, uh, who is a... he's a character who lives in a mine uh, deep below the surface of Mars and it's established that they're mining and trying to pull out uh, helium to terraform the atmosphere and trying to make Mars livable. They're pioneers out there and they're, they're suffering through this and they have a very rigid caste system you know, with people above them to try and make sure that... Essentially, anyone who's out in the, the universe there, any set of lungs needs to have a purpose, essentially,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to, to make sure that resources aren't consumed. So it's, uh, he holds the rank in his drilling crew of Helldiver, which is a person who operates... It's, it's essentially like a forward scout for the main drill. So he's the one who's, you know, drilling way ahead of everyone else. He has to risk, you know being hit with any sort of tectonic action, magma, pockets of gas that can blow them away. Um, Sorry. Bless you.
1: <laughs> and the, uh, the like, the, the... I can't remember what they're called, the worms. Oh, yeah, yeah, pit vipers. Pit vipers.
0: Yeah, so they're are, there are indigenous life forms uh, deep, deep within the rock that can jump out and very, very venomous that they have to worry about drilling into mm. or Especially encounter. Especially the children. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the young pit vipers. because the older ones will just, like, bite you and then try to eat you. The the younger ones haven't con- learned control yet, and so they'll just bite you and empty their venom into you and kill you, with, like, pretty much instantly. Hmm. Um... Or they, you know, they'll, they'll burrow into you and, like, lay their... Let's not dwell on this too much. Um, <laughs> so, he... It's established that there are, there are many different drilling clans in their community. And each clan has a quota to meet. And whoever meets the, the, the highest, like, not only passes the quota, but gets the highest level, gets special privileges. They get extra food, they get extra booze, they get extra cigarettes. Um, mm,
1: luxuries like silk and stuff.
0: Exa- and luxury clothing, exactly. And it's also established that the other clans are a bit more desperate, and so it's not uncommon to have, um, you know, wives and daughters go off and sell their bodies to these, either the, the ones that are more successful or to the guards to make sure that, or to, to get food and medicine and things for their, you know, their children or their families. Uh, so it's it's. No, yeah, it's it's established to be an extremely rough and extremely brutal society, but again, it's all couched in the fact that this is ne- this is a necessity to make sure that they're going to be able to to live and um, you know, establish a surface civilization on Mars. Uh, because Earth is overcrowded and the resources are used up and blah bloody blah. And the caste system is based on like a color like you're you're like the the red cast is the lowest and that's what he is he's part of the red cast of the miners there's the gray cast who are like the guards and police and um they they mention a few others the gold cast is the highest of the high they're the the top of the society and they they very rarely see them because they very rarely come down to the mines to talk to them um then there's also like i think one guy is like a uh a green or a brown or something. He's he's an administrator. Um, so who,
1: I think brown are like kind of janitor class. Blue is uh, tech class. Pink. But hold on, is we don't
0: we don't know about okay. them yet. True. We don't know about sorry. Them
1: yet. It's like Pikmin.
0: Yeah. So anyway, but the point being, that's how they do it, and there are, there are different things, and it's it's established that like um the. the the classes are physically distinct from each other like the red cast tend to be like thinner and more scrawny and um have like uh yeah they're they're, they're built for f- manual labor yeah. yeah they're built for manual labor but not longevity because he describes his uncle at one point as a as an old man of 35. like so the the implication being that like you're you're not going to live much longer past that. Like he's 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 a man grown and married and thinking about children. He's 16 in the book. Um, he's got a, a wife named Io. Anyway, so he knows because he's been counting that he's won the uh, the laurel. He calls it because he's he's got the most. He's hit his quota and surpassed it, and beaten all the other teams. But. At the, the banquet where they give it out, they give it out to the same team they give it out to every year. And then he realizes at that point it's fixed and he's furious. Uh, and his, wa- his wife talks him down and calms him down. And she sneaks him away to like this underground garden. Which is... No, it's
1: actually on the surface, I think.
0: It isn't actually. They, they... they look up and see the... It's, the it's artificial is it? I think it's artificial. Well, it's it's under a bubble at the very least because at that point he doesn't realize what the big revelation that comes later. I I may be re- misremembering this. I'm So when I when I read physical books, I tend to retain things a lot better. When I listen to audiobooks, um some of the details get fuzzy for me.
1: You could be right. I said it's been two years. But
0: but either way, at this point, he goes up and he there's like a small garden essentially, and it's a garden that's exclusive to the Greys. But I, I believe it's still underground. Um, but in like a bubble, like an artificial, like an artificial garden underground. Um, and, but it's not for Reds. Anyway, they go up there, they bang, and they head back down. And I I say that crassly, but honestly, it's they, they've got. Like, him and his wife have this this very sweet relationship um, early on. And um, they go down, but they get caught. And so they're both sentenced to be whipped uh, because they're not supposed to be up there. They've violated the caste system. And they, they, they reiterate over and over that their society is, like... Obedience is, you know, is a necessity so that they can terraform Mars, and so that the pi- they're the pioneers. They have to make these sacrifices so that um, the the rest of the population can get there. And they'll be heroes after this. Once all the the toil and sacrifice is done. Um, now, they when they're being whipped, um, it's it's noted that. This is just happens to be the day that a gold is down inspecting the mine, this particular mine. Not only uh, any particular gold, but the gold who is the overseer, the arch-governor of the entire planet. Um, and his wife takes the opportunity, because she's a bit of a, like... Um,
1: Darrow's wife, that is, not the arch-governor.
0: Yeah, sorry, Darrow's wife, the main character's wife. Uh, she has a rebellious streak in her and she sings a song that they are not supposed to sing. It's a, it's a, it's a song of rebellion, essentially.
1: Mm. About how uh, the gold ruled with iron chains. Yeah. I don't it's remember the, the words to the song, but it.
0: if you've ever seen uh, Les Mis, the, uh, you
1: know, uh, what well, is it? That's what put the hanging tree in my head. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, you know hanging they, tree, it's yeah. A it's, that's very a, it's a yeah, um, yeah. hanging tree from Hunger Games, yep. Or The, the um,
1: Reds have a kind of religion. Hold on, the, the, the
0: one I'm, I'm thinking of is... I, I want to remember the lyrics before I forget. It's the, uh... Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? The one from uh, yeah. uh, Les Mis. Les Mis, yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry, go on. They have a kind of religion.
1: Yeah, so they, they believe there is a kind of, um... Uh, a, a reaper who guides you onto an afterlife.
0: Yeah, Beyond the
1: Veil, as they say. That's it. yeah, yeah, The Veil. Um, and yeah, it's a very, it's a bit, kind of a sadder song than the one lame is. It's a lot more... Da, 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 da. It's it's so
0: good, and in, in the audiobook version, they actually sing it at the end of the book.
1: Oh, so good. Um, yeah, very touching moments. The, the wife is being
0: swing. The reaper swings. Yeah, no, sorry. That I I remember that line once you said they talk about the reaper. Well, no, it's
1: it's the reaper swings and it's the reaper sings. I think.
0: Oh, dude, do they? Is it different? Maybe I couldn't hear the 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 guy's accent. But um, but yeah, um, still good.
1: But yeah, so the the she starts singing this in front of. Wait, this is your job. (laughs) Sorry, she
0: sings it and it's a death sentence. So they hang her. Um, or she's sentenced to <laughs> hang. Sounds no, was very abrupt. Well, I, I realize yeah, that sentence, so we, have a lo- we have a lot to get through. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm not doing that entirely. Ju- it's a longer scene than that. Um, and they do make a point throughout the first chapter that they allow the family members to pull the legs of the people who are being hanged mm. to properly break their neck. Because So a lot of people don't realize this. Um, when, when somebody was sentenced to hanging, the whole idea behind the trapdoor is they would fall and the rope would break their neck. So the death was instantaneous. They didn't swing up there choking. Choke, man. No. But in low Mars gravity. Mars has a significantly lower gravity than Earth. So they have the family pull them because otherwise they'd just be up there choking. And it would be a very painful, brutal death. Um, and so he has to go up there and pull his wife's legs to break her neck. Um, again, brutal. And it, it again reinforces how harsh and rough this society is. But over and over, even in his own mind and his own ruminations, Darrow is going like, you know, this is necessary because of. Because of. We, we need to terraform Mars. We're sacrificing all of this for the future of mankind. Um, anyway. So, him and his grief, he goes up and he does something else, which is illegal. They're, her body is meant to be left up there because... So she actually sings the song on the uh, while she's being hung, too, and they, they allow that for her last words. And so he goes up and he wants to bury her, uh, which is also illegal. She's supposed to be just left up there to rot, to, as an example. Um And on his way up there, his uncle doesn't necessarily try to stop him, but, you know, just hands him a flask and has him drink it. And then he goes up, cuts his wife's body down, and um, then they sentence him to hang. And he does, but he doesn't die. Because whatever his uncle gave him was something to make his heart stop, and then somebody moved him into a tunnel and he he wakes up and there are people picking him up and like moving him and they turn out to be a a group a terrorist group that was mentioned earlier the sons of Ares, essentially reds who are trying to rebel against the order and they take him up and he meets one of their uh like faction leaders who reveals That there's a lot more like he brings him up to the actual surface and he sees that there are cities there are gardens there's no domes like the the atmosphere has been terraformed there's greenery out on the landscape like he sees all these other colors he didn't know about the pinks blue mentioned the blues they're greens there are there are browns there are violets all these different colors of cast which he didn't know existed. The golds are still on top, and they still, you know, float about in their their hover boots. They've got you know bottles of wine. They're going for a picnic out in a garden. And Although there
1: are two kinds of gold,
0: there are, and that is revealed to him next is that, like within within the casts, there are casts. So they have what are called the low reds and the high reds. The low reds are the ones like him who know nothing about what goes on, on the surface. They just mine, in the, that that society with that same lie. There are the the high reds, which are the reds that live above the surface and they act as, you know, janitors and laborers and, you know, street sweepers or whatever. Um, and then amongst the golds, there are what are called the pixies, which are just the golds that are indulgent. They live their lives in luxury. You know, they flirt, they eat, they drink, and they do practically nothing. Then there are like what are called the iron golds, the golds who are like, you know, they're warriors, they're commanders, they're people who are, you know, military, they're they're politicians, there are bureaucrats which are referred to as like the copper the copper golds or the bronze golds or whatever. Hmm. So that's that's the first bit. Do you want to like stop and you know, do a little chat about uh, that before we move on?
1: I mean I feel like we can chat as we go. Um
0: I mean, but any any yeah. thoughts? I, I, I definitely have things to say about that first bit that I haven't yet, so.
1: Also, I, I have no doubt that we're not going to get onto the second book, by the way, at all. Because we're like, oh, a, no. I, we just got past the tutorial and we're halfway through the
0: We We are, and segment. I think that, so I'm going to do two things. I think that this is probably going to go over, but second of all, yeah. I think that I'm going to publish this as an independent segment on the YouTube channel, just because.
1: Okay, I, I mean, really... maybe wait until we've done all the segments for the trilogy, Oh, we can we can stitch them together. That That'd be cool. All right, but I'd let's
0: let's not let's not uh, like yeah. meta game a little bit too much here. Uh,
1: so yeah, so the, the suns varies t- your typical typical group, but they also have higher connections. So reds are not stupid. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Th- that's something that's made clear. They're, they're all the the classes are physically distinct and they have some biological and technical modifications depending on your class. But unlike, so a while back I talked about Brave New World, where they have the different classes in that, the the gammas and the alphas and the betas and the deltas. Mm -hmm. In that book, they actually physically altered the mental capacity of the lower classes to make them more stupid. They don't do that in this world. Well. They make the upper classes more smart, but they don't really alter the lower. So you go on. What were you gonna say? There
1: is, and I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna very briefly, like brush up against this fact because it's something that you'll learn later. Mm. Um, there are some classes that there's one in particular I'm thinking of, where they are purposefully, uh, born into a. Uh, ice age level. Um, a, a, a history of time, like they're, they're born into clans of people who know nothing about technology. Are you talking about the Obsidians? Yes, they but they've. not alu- experienced to what level it is yet? Yeah, it
0: was so. a guess. It was a, it, that was a guess on my part because they've alluded to the fact that the Obsidians have a fear of technology. So,
1: yeah, they they brought up in a very different way to all the other classes. Mm. Maybe not the blues, because the blues are kind of weird. They have yeah. like computer chips in their heads and stuff. But yeah.
0: Uh, Sorry, we're 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 kind of talking about like uh the, the world in general. But yeah. but that first part, like what were your thoughts on it? Um like did
1: you It's very emotional the first part. It is. Well it It's not it, particularly exciting but it's very emotional. Yeah
0: you you really the author does a very good job of making you really feel like the anguish and struggle
1: like mm. i mean he just had to kill his wife like how much more anguished can you be yeah and, and it gives him a real drive to do what he does in the rest of the story it does and it's one of those
0: things where i feel like a bit of the weight and a bit of the like the moral depth might be lost on a lot of modern audiences who don't do too much of a read of history because like that kind of brutal struggle and life um, it wasn't uncommon even 200 years ago even a hundred years ago um, you you had to deal with that sort of like life and death mm-hmm. and you know making a choice and working and stuff like that and we, we look at it as horrible now like with our modern luxuries
1: but yeah. but we're not working down in the coal mines. Exactly.
0: So. Yeah, the pe- for the people who did that, it was a way of life, and it's not necessarily a way of life that they feel like they they need to get away from or something like that. It was just like you know, I work in the mines because my uncle worked in the mines, and yeah. I worked in the mines because my father worked in the mines, and I'm proud of my work. I'm a hill diver, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, should get to the next, cause the next bit's a bit fucky, isn't it? I, oh, I, the, I love the next bit. Um, well, oh, oh, you're talking. Are you talking about before the? Okay, um, let's talk about before the institution. You're right. So the next bit, uh, he finds out what his mission is going like. His, um, you know, they they convince him through several means to try to, to join the Sons Varies, mainly by showing him all of this and the fact that they've been lied to their entire lives. Um, and the fact that his wife's, like, sacrifice was just so little, right, in the eyes of all of this. Not only have they terraformed Mars, he finds out, but they've terraformed all of the planets, all of the moons. Yeah. There, are, there are colonies stretching out across the solar system, everywhere. Um, and it's implied that even further beyond that, but they so far they haven't talked about anything pla- past Pluto, where I am in the second book um but yeah so through this way they convince him and they give him a mission and he he honestly he says in the book that he would rather just be given a bomb or a gun and go out as a just like a ah rage and then blow something up but they give him a a different mission because he passes a test that allows him to join them and the mission so he's established as being very clever despite the fact despite his low origins and so they bring him to uh, somebody who's called a carver, a violet. Um, the violets are like the entertainers, the artisans, the the musical and creative people yeah. in the world, the, the painters, the you know, singers, the dancers, that sort of thing. And he owns like a nightclub, and um, he has connections with these people. So they pay him a shit ton of money, and he essentially takes him, and over a brutally long series of months. Like months, they, yeah. They replace his skin, they replace his eyes, they replace his muscles, they enhance his organs, they enhance his mind, they do all of these things and they make him into a gold. Like, so his... A process
1: that Sorry? a lot of people had done, tried to do previously and, like, everyone had died.
0: Everyone had died. They say there were 92 attempts and he was the first success... Partially because he had been bitten by one of those pit vipers they talked about earlier, and it had, like, essentially the venom, like, had made his heart more robust because it had to adapt. he He was the
1: second success.
0: He was the first success, and they, in, they actually, in the second book they talk about this, he was, he was the first, and then a colleague made the second one.
1: The colleague made, no, the second one was made before him. Are you talking about Titus. Yes, in the long run, but they made Titus before they made Darrow.
0: Really? Okay, in the books they say after. Like, I just read through this bit, and he he says that... Like, Mickey says that um, Titus was made by a colleague based on his success with him.
1: Maybe. I could have sworn that uh, Mickey made it off of some notes that he got from... I, don't know. I may
0: I may be misremembering that, but. but either way, it's it's either Mickey Le- it, Sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah. here. Um, so they make him into a gold. He goes from being like he's like oh I was I was tall for a red, but he goes from being like you know five foot something to being like over eight feet tall, and like he goes from having just like being kind of this lean you know wiry muscled person to being this titan of a man who's got like you know probably weighs three hundred pounds and most of its muscle, his bone density, they established that, you know, golds can up op- the the way that normal humans operate in one G, one earth gravity, they operate in five easily. And yeah. so in lower gravity, they're they're basically they can jump meters into the air and things like that. Their bone density is is so hard that they're almost impossible to break. It's like five times as dense as like the normal a normal person's. Mm. And all of this all of this stuff to basically. So this is what I mean when I say that the the casts are different, so different physically. Yeah. Like they. And also mentally, because he also
1: has lessons.
0: He does. So well. First of all, they actually they modify his brain too. They put like implants so that he can like learn faster and um, you know think quicker and things like that. And so after he's recovered from all the physical trauma of having this done to him like because they they establish it's excruciatingly painful so after like they go through the physical trauma and then they move on and now he's gotta he's gotta learn to he's gotta train he's gotta like get used to his new body he's also got to pick up history philosophy mathematics science all of this stuff that's expected of someone who is a gold an ambitious gold and um, a few times he actually accidentally injures someone because he doesn't know his own strength. Like somebody, you know, does something to him and he, he gives what he thinks is just like a gentle punch and he dislocates their shoulder. Hmm. Um, and so this goes on and he, uh, he gets through all the training and then his mission is to go take an entrance exam and join an institute. So there's there's a uh, the highest cast of golds so are known as the peerless scarred. Uh, essentially, they're people who have made it through this institute and passed, and they have like, they 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 are they're otherwise perfect like Greek god esque faces are scarred with one curved, like scar down the side of their face. Um, so he passes the test, and not only does he pass the test, um, but he actually has to be audited by essentially this gold bureau to make sure he didn't cheat because he was essentially Mm. one of the upper outliers
1: yeah top 10 percent or something
0: so he he gets into the institute and then so before i get into what happens in the institute let's let's Mm. talk about that so okay what are your thoughts
1: so yeah he also gets up with like a really nice apartment and stuff Mm. like that
0: to Um, establish himself as one of the gentry
1: yeah, and he's not entirely used to gold life yet. So he goes to like um riding lessons mm. and this other girl, uh, who's also gold, like basically laughs at him because he can't ride a horse. Yeah. It's established uh,
0: she's riding a stallion and he's riding a pony. And yeah. he gets thrown by the pony.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um And so he yeah, he's still struggling to fit in at this point. But uh during the test he's he displays his new athleticism by managing to even fool another gold who's t- taking the test. Mm. I can't remember what he does, but it's sent with a so, pencil.
0: It's it's this. So she's the girl around. is um, the girl is like she's taking the test and she's tap 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 tapping on a bracelet. So it's an otherwise quiet room, and she's um, she's like pissing him off because she's making this tap tap tapping noise and it annoys him so much. He. While she's looking away, he very quickly, like, and dexterously jumps, or, like, moves his arm, s- grabs her pencil, her stylus, and hides it up his sleeve before she even notices. And so she looks around bewildered, and, like, no one will give her another stylus. And so she just runs out of the room crying, because she can't take the test anymore, because she lost her
1: stylus. Oh, <laughs> but she
0: still pauses. So, um... No, no, it wasn't her. She actually, she fails. No, she. You're thinking she of a different girl because
1: they, they name her.
0: No, no, you're thinking of a different girl. You're thinking of Antonia. Okay. But anyway, um, or at least I don't, I don't think she shows up in the book.
1: Because I'm uh, pretty sure later on she comes up to you and she's like, "Wow, you're a dickhead." You took no, no, pencil. you're
0: right. That that's Antonia. No, yeah. no, that, it's not her. It's another girl in the room. Right. Yeah, I know I know who you're talking about. She does come up and tell him he's a dickhead, but that's a different girl. Uh, she's a girl that right. saw him do
1: that. No, the teacher saw him do that.
0: Yep, but there are two two people in the room that saw him do it and okay. they come up to him after and tell him about it. I'll I'll anyway, I'll, I'll it's get to an important detail. So it isn't an important detail, but it is later cuz they become major characters. So Antonia is she comes up to him and she calls him a cutter as she walks past him out of the test room which he establishes is she, she's calling him ruthless essentially because of what he did to the other girl and then the other person that comes up to him is named uh, cassius who is another guy in the room who says um yeah it's good that you did that i was about to take that girl's eyes out or something like that um yeah also a uh, fun little anecdote from my younger life we have to take uh, standardized tests in the US. I'm sure you probably had to in school as well. Um, during one of them, one of my friends had a bit of a cold and he was sniffling like during the test and it was pissing off a girl like behind him. And she very, like during one of the breaks, she very passive aggressively took like 20 tissues out of a tissue box and then slammed him on his desk and then went back to her seat. So my friend and I'm, I'm always, <laughs> I love this story. He took all of them at once. And just wiped his nose on him once and then threw them all in the trash. And then just turned back at him and was just like, thanks. And then continued to sniffle for the rest of the test. Oh. oh, it made me laugh. Anyway, sorry. You were saying. Well, no. Uh, what was I saying? You were talking about uh, what happened during the test and his interaction with the Golds. Um,
1: well, I'm saying that was kind of a small detail. We should move on, because we're already at the 30-minute mark. We're going to have to split this into two for this book. Are we? I, I mean, unless we're going to have a hour-long segment. We might.
0: I know you <laughs> have uh, you have stuff to do yeah. in an hour from now, <laughs> so I, I won't keep us still. Well, it will th- up
1: to the point after the, um, the, the first test. I, I, think, think. I
0: think once we get to the Institute, things are going to speed up. Because okay. quite a lot of events happen, and... Really, there isn't a whole lot of analysis to be done there. But anyway, it's established that there are certain modes of acting, ways of speaking, that golds use that reds don't, and that reds use that golds don't. Like, for instance, the reds would swear by saying, Plotitam. But the golds would swear by saying, Goritam. Something like that. And that does become relevant in the book. Anyway, they move on he passes the exam with flying colors and then he is admitted into the institute so they go in there's a big gathering of all the people he meets some some interesting characters on the train ride over to the uh, to the opening ceremony and the guy who hung his wife the arch governor of mars gives a long speech about the fall of democracy and the folly and the need to have natural selection and to be strong because the gold's conquered all of the plan. Oh, that's that's the other thing. Um, a bit of lore that is established in the book is that the way the current society came up from our modern time, Earth colonized the moon because the moon was the logical place to build ships and colonize the rest of the the solar system because it was too costly to build them on Earth and then fly them up out of space you have to escape gravity, but the moon has practically yeah. no gravity, so and then the moon was like well, we're doing all this work fuck it, we'll, and they rebelled and they launched a war against Earth that was the Golds and they beat Earth and so the moon is essentially the, the hub of civilization in this world and they yeah. established the caste system and so essentially the current society was founded by conquerors people who had ventured out from their their moon and taken over the rest of the, the solar system um anyway, it gives the the opening ceremony they go into a underground room or not an underground room. They go into a big dining hall the and they based on their scores, they go into different tables and they talk and chat with each other and socialize and
1: think like Hogwarts.
0: yeah, exactly it's like Hogwarts after the, the opening ceremony. It has a very it, yeah. it, it, honestly it would it have heels...
1: made a far better opening ceremony if what happened next happened in Hogwarts. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Can you imagine something?
0: Oh, okay, sorry. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, they have the opening ceremony. Again, yeah, like Blue said, think like the opening ceremony in the, the, the beginning of the first Hogwarts book or the first Hogwarts movie. If you're like me and didn't read the books they then go off to bed and it's soft and he's like oh this isn't harsh at all this is just nice and easy and relaxed if this is what the gold thinks is you know harsh then clearly they deserve to be overthrown and so on and so on um and then in the middle of the night like obsidians break in they're kind of like the the bruisers of this world like they're like nine feet tall and just nothing but muscle and um like pure war, purebred warriors.
1: Yeah, brick shit houses. Yeah,
0: exactly. And they they are beating the ever loving shit out of him. And he he at first is like indignant. Oh God, I've been found out and whatnot. But he sees that this is they, they're wearing gold rings, and so they're he's like, oh, this is all part of the test. This is all part of what's supposed to happen. So they beat the fuck out of him. They drag him into a room and throw him naked into a room with um you know, one other gold, who's also very indignant about being beaten. And then, uh, like, one of the people who picked him comes in and goes, okay, only one of you leaves this room alive. Tosses a gold ring on the floor and then leaves. And the the person he has to fight is somebody he met on the train who he, like, seems, like, very nice and sweet and a good person. Mm. Um
1: probably the nicest gold he's ever he's met so far
0: exactly um but he realizes that and so he tries to tell him like just just walk away just leave give me the ring and get out of here and the, the guy's like mm-hmm. no no no, I can't I can't disappoint my house I can't disappoint my family I have to and he squares up to fight and that guy is like so, a trained he's sorry I was just to say so this
1: guy's called Julian right yeah uh the brother of Cassius I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they know that at that time they do yep Uh, And Julian and Cassius come from, like, the, probably the second highest noble family on the planet of Mars. The rival family to the Arch-Governor of Mars, in fact. And so, the rite of passage of them completing this institution is a 100% has to happen. Because they cannot be seen to be embarrassed. They have to be the strongest of the strong. Mm. Even though Julian is, like, the poet type. He is the, um... What's the guy from Sobrante, our little brother?
0: Oh, um... Oh, fuck, I don't remember his name. Uh, that guy. Yeah, the, the little bitch from Sir Bronte.
1: Yeah, but he's... Like, Julian's less... Like, you don't want to punch him in the face quite as much. Yeah. um, Yeah, go on.
0: So, Julian doesn't back down. And, um... You know, neither does this guy, because he has to complete his mission. He's still, like, a sleeper agent. Um, and he's still committed to his mission and so he like he's not as elegant as julian who tries to do some kind of a martial arts uh kind of thing um he ends up just wailing on him like stunning him and then collapsing his sternum with like a really powerful punch yeah and um yeah then he he walks like bleeding and you know broken from the room he's it clearly traumatized by the fact that he just had to kill someone. Um, like, the the whole experience, it, it's hammered in, like, how much this really traumatizes uh, Darrow. So he gets out to the room, and one he meets one of his other, like, one of his closest, a person who becomes one of his closest confidants throughout the whole series. Um, the poet guy, I can't remember his name for some reason.
1: Oh, um, yeah, uh,
0: fuck yeah it's it's not i can't remember his name there's a very poetic character it it might come to me but he becomes a very close confidant throughout the entire series and uh he and the uh, the main character kind of confide in each other and that guy says that you know after going through that he kind of suspects that there were a ton of people who like they they admitted these people just to have them lifts. killed. Exactly. Yeah. They were they were people who... Sc- and it, it is confirmed later that the top 1% of the people who applied and took the test, they get in. And the bottom 1% of the people who applied, they get in. And the bottom 1% are just there to get killed.
1: But... Not all of the top 1% won their matches.
0: Exactly. And I think one of the guys who is, the the guy who tells them about this, tells them, like, every now and again, Darwin has a surprise. And, um, like, one of the most perfect, one of the 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 the, highest scorer, scorer, he ends up dying getting his throat crushed by one of the people who was a low scorer. Um, And so a few low scorers make it through. But mostly it's the, it works the way intended. And it's also revealed a little bit later in the book that um, like the, gold soci- the golds are just as brutal on themselves as they are to the rest of society. Because they have a department of quality control that um, ensures, that, that thinks that the perfect ratio is about 13.12% of all golds should die before one year old. And they yeah. think that there's a certain percentage of golds that need to die in the Institute. They, they literally have taken natural selection as, like, a core doctrine of their society.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, like, even though they, they treat the lower caste extremely brutal, they treat each other just as brutally. mm mm-hmm. Um... And that, that becomes like a, a common theme, which is why the, when I was talking to you last night before I'd read a little bit further in the second book, I was starting to get disappointed in the way the story was going because Dara was starting to really understand that.
1: that like is mean, not that far from Darwin. <laughs> I think Maybe that's what they were going with. Maybe. Um, so like you said, we,
0: I, I think you're right. We're going to have to break this up into two parts um, and we can we can continue on with it. Uh, next time, but I I do think we're already at 40 minutes, but at this point in the book, right after that big reveal has happened we had two big reveals, one that the society is a lot bigger than he was led to believe, and two that um, the golds aren't just all luxury and decadence, they're actually brutal brutal conquerors who are just as brutal on themselves as they are on the lower castes
1: also, we should just discuss ta- uh, Cassius quickly.
0: We should, yeah, because that's a big one. Yeah. So let's. we we'll, we'll, We're just gonna. Let's. We're gonna stop the plot synopsis here. We'll discuss what we've talked about so far and a few of the the finer points, and then we'll end this segment. And we will pick this up either during next week's media segment or potentially on another segment three, where we can summarize the the last half of the book. Um. Hmm. So yeah. Cassius, want to take it away there?
1: So, as we know, Darrow brutalized Cassius's brother, but no one knows who was set up against who. Hmm. They purposely um, obscure it. Yeah, so that, like, Darrow knows that he killed Cassius's brother, and Cassius is kind of warmed up to Darrow, because Darrow's clearly a bit of a fucking badass, yeah. and Cassius could use good men by his side. Another alpha um, like he. And so Cassius goes a bit, like, nutso when he sees that his brother hasn't arrived and he's like, alright, which of you fuckers killed yeah. my he, brother? He
0: very threateningly says, maybe we should all play a game. We'll t- I'll tell you who I killed and you can all tell me who you killed. I killed such and such. He was someone that I knew from a boy. I killed him the proper way. One quick strike and it was over.
1: Uh, yeah, and so that becomes an uh, ongoing thing in their relationship where they are good friends, but there is this constant dark secret hanging yeah. over Darrow's head. And the, the thing
0: that. is, like Darrow is, is not portrayed as a heartless person because every single time Cassius brings it up, he clearly feels guilty about it because he says, and there it is, he said his name again, Julian, and I feel the darkness rise in me because mm. uh, yeah even though these people are his enemies the people who have oppressed his people his, his fellow reds the people who killed his mm. wife he has a remarkable degree of um, perspective
1: yeah uh, playing the long game uh, which you see quite a bit um, in the part that you ju- you've literally just read mm. in the second book it's all about playing the long game yeah um,
0: and he, he there's there's a lot of moral complexity too because as he goes through and you'll see this when I summarize the rest of the book the next time we get back to this he, he makes very intimate relationships with the rest of the golds that he's with and he starts to see them not as brutal oppressors high above him who are just faceless nameless a, a hmm. thing, a concept he starts to see them as people. And that that causes a lot of moral strife within him.
1: Yeah, that causes him quite a few problems more so than... Like, okay, him being allies with... Or him, him having certain friends hmm. definitely gives him benefits. But every one of those friends has this... Uh, at least presently has this massive caveat of... He can't tell them the truth.
0: Well, right, because if they ever find out he's a Red, it's established that his family, his entire clan would be wiped out, and he would be tortured and tortured and tortured, and then killed. Yeah. Uh, but yes.
1: Uh, Joe went up. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I know we've gone over. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah, so just, just to, to point out before like we go on, the, the book has a very... Every, it surprised me at multiple times. At the beginning, I thought it was going to be just like a rebellion story about the miners rising up, and it, it wasn't. There was more to it than that. And then I thought it was going to be about him like, you know, working with this terrorist group. But it wasn't. They made him into a gold and now he's an infiltrator. And then I thought that the gold society was going to be just this decadent kind of paradise that he was going to be disgusted with and then have no problem taking down. But it wasn't. It was a brutal Darwinian, like, And then this institute. I thought it was going to be like a schoolyard sort of thing. But it wasn't. It was this brutal training ground. Um, And there's a lot of other surprises that happen throughout the book um, all the way up until the end. And they they continue... Subversion of expectations is something that is, I think, overused in a lot of modern media. This book uses it right. Hmm. Like, it's not just change it's not just surprising you for the sake of surprising you the surprises have meaning and purpose they're showing you as the reader they're revealing things to you as they're revealed to the main character
1: yeah and they change so many things in the society you can't think of this society as anything like saying that we would see a society in our own Mm. real world um I mean, you can certainly look back at history and see a lot of similarities, particularly with like Romans. Yeah. And uh, just survival of the fittest uh, is a big theme running through even throughout it. Um, but also the gods, like all the teachers, are named after different um, Greek gods.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are.
1: Um,
0: and they and they they do that like quite a bit. They they the author takes a lot of effort to make sure that you as the reader understand that this isn't just a brutal oppressive regime that's just brutal and repressive because it wants to be it establishes that this is a thriving and very functional society it's morally abhorrent to our current eyes and people do suffer in it but it is powerful and so it, it really kind of challenges you to try and think it, it it challenges it puts it puts morality against rationality a lot and it does it in a in a lot of very clever ways it's just it, it's such a good book um like just 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 to give it like and I'm sorry I took so long to read it blue <laughs> just no, no but no. yeah no i really enjoyed it um and we will get on to this we, we are going on we're coming up on two hours for the podcast so i think we're gonna have to end it there uh I w- there will be a part two to this um probably next week just so it's still fresh in my mind i can do a proper i part. imagine there's
1: gonna be at least six parts to this in the long run for the trilogy <laughs>
0: yeah i so look forward to that because i'm already part way through the second book i'll try to slow down how fast i'm reading through it to actually be able to <laughs> to, to spread these it, out we don't want to do well. a, like a so, book yeah. review segment like six
1: podcasts in a
0: row <laughs> or maybe we do who knows if you guys enjoy this let us know Um, we'll say
1: next week we can because it's another one of the the oh yeah yeah yeah
0: I definitely I think next week we'll definitely do the second part of this because we'll finish Red Rising yeah yeah. either in the media or in the third segment but anyway I'm not gonna not gonna hammer this on too long Um, thank you all for listening this has been episode 46 of the TMCJ podcast Uh, we hope you will tune in again soon
1: don't Be an oppressive race.